0: From Compass Media Networks, this is America's First News.
1: This morning, with your host, Gordon Deal. Elderly man, poor memory. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Dom Savino. In for Nicole Murray on this Friday, February 9th. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour.
2: A new special counsel report about President Biden's handling of classified documents paints an unflattering picture. We'll have details.
1: After oral arguments, the Supreme Court appears likely to restore ballot eligibility for Donald Trump, who also won the Nevada caucus last night.
2: Ahead of the Super Bowl, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson is named MVP, and the Hall of Fame announced
3: its new class.
1: And as we're told to return to the office full time, What do you do if you're hacking up a lung?
3: What I found is it's hard to win when you're under the weather because you get shamed sometimes if you call out sick and don't come to work. And then if you do show up at the office and you're still contagious and you're coughing and sneezing, you're getting the evil eye. and You're getting shamed for for coming in.
1: Callum Borscher's at the Wall Street Journal on sick shaming at the office. A special counsel report says President Biden willfully held on to classified materials after his vice presidency, including documents implicating sensitive intelligence sources. But special counsel Robert Herr is opting against bringing criminal charges because Biden cooperated and would be difficult to convict, describing him as, quote, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. The president, who earlier this week referred to a conversation he had with Angela Merkel in 2021 as having taken place with the late German Chancellor Helmut Kohl, Pushed back against descriptions of his recall.
3: My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory, take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen?
1: At one point during his remarks, Biden appeared to confuse the presidents of Mexico and Egypt. Biden's memory in his interview with the special counsel's office was even worse. The report said he didn't remember when he was vice president, forgot when his term had ended, or when his son Beau had died. Arguments before the Supreme Court from Donald Trump's lawyers about his ballot eligibility appear to be falling on sympathetic ears. The nation's highest court appears likely to reject an attempt to remove him from the 2024 presidential ballot, with justices across the ideological spectrum suggesting yesterday that Congress, and not individual states, must set the standards before a candidate can be disqualified for engaging in insurrection. Justice Elena Kagan of the Liberal Wing.
4: I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States.
1: The state Supreme Court in Colorado last month invoked a constitutional provision enacted after the Civil War and barred Trump from the state's presidential ballot after finding he engaged in insurrection on January 6th of 2021. Trump appealed and the U.S. Supreme Court expedited its proceedings ahead of Colorado's primary election on March 5th. A 95 billion-dollar measure that includes aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan has advanced in the Senate. Senators backed a procedural motion to advance the bill. 17 Republicans voted in favor in a surprising shift after they blocked a broader bill Wednesday that tied the funding to border security. The Senate is expected to take days to agree on a final version of the security aid package, with some Republicans pushing for amendments. Also of note, Ukraine's president removed his top general, in the most significant shakeup of the country's leadership since the Russian invasion began two years ago. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby in Washington.
2: President Zelensky is the commander-in-chief of his armed forces. He gets to decide uh, who his leadership is going to be in the military. That's what civilian control is all about. We know that.
1: Separately, Russian President Vladimir Putin, in an interview with former Fox News opinion host Tucker Carlson, called on the U.S. to make an agreement to cede Ukrainian territory to Russia in order to end the war. Hey, it's Gordon Deal here to tell you about this game-changing product I use before having a couple of cocktails called Z-Biotics. I can easily feel lousy from just one drink, but I've now found something that helps avoid that miserable feeling the next morning. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. It's the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by Ph.D. scientists trying to eliminate that crummy feeling the following day. Here's how it works. When you drink, Alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. ZBiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make ZBiotics your first drink of the night. Whether you're sitting down at home for movie night or maybe out with friends, drink responsibly and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com slash Gordon to get 15% off your first order when you use Gordon at checkout. That's zbiotics.com slash Gordon, and use the code Gordon at checkout for 15% off. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Friday. A national poll from NBC News found that 54% of President Biden's voter base say they have major or moderate concerns about whether the Democratic incumbent has the mental and physical health to hold office when asked about his age. That's likely why the campaign team has recently steered the president towards smaller, casual environments to connect with voters rather than formal public campaign events where he's prone to gaffes that lead to ridicule. It's a story by Rachel Shilkey, reporter at the Washington Examiner. Rachel, is the Biden campaign hiding him?
5: So I think the Biden campaign is actually looking to present the president in a way that he feels not only comfortable, but in a way that he can express himself and connect to voters without being on a big public stage where he has sadly been known to produce blunders or to have some mishaps, whether it's, you know, tripping up the stage or mispronouncing a name, even though those things, you know, those things could happen to anybody. But on a campaign stage, those things matter to voters. Perception matters to voters. And so I think the Biden campaign is looking to Push him towards smaller, casual environments where he can feel more comfortable, and voters can feel the personality rather than seeing him on a stage where maybe he stumbles over words or he mistakes somebody that he's introducing. So I think this is a more casual way to get him to connect with the people that he needs for his reelection.
1: Yeah, at these small events, whether it's uh, you know at a restaurant or some place like that, I mean, could you even hear a blunder if he were to make one while he's having these kind of small chats with individual folks?
5: I think that's the whole thing. I don't think that you can. I think that, you know, when they're having a normal conversation with somebody anyway, you are prone to make mistakes. You are prone to slip up. And I think that's just human nature. So I think that the Biden campaign is looking to capitalize on that and to show that, you know, he's just a regular guy. He's coming to eat ice cream with you. He wants to chat with you. And, you know, if he says the wrong word in conversation, people do that every day. So I think they're trying to bring him down less than this is the president of the united states speaking to you from a elevated platform rather this is joe biden having a nice cream with you and wanting to
1: connect with you on a personal level all right so uh i think as you pointed out in your story he's only had three campaign rallies since announcing his candidacy last april i mean we're coming up on a year where he's had just three campaign rallies
5: yes and i think a lot of that could be A myriad of reasons it could be because of the gas that he's prone to or it could be just because you know the the duties of a president is demanding both on and off the campaign trail the these allies have said though that they plan to keep things small for now but once they hit general election year which we're already in but once I feel like we get closer and closer to November I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of those larger campaign rallies where he's really presenting himself as a as a prominent and strong candidate I think right now what he's trying to do is reach those voters that maybe are trending away from him, like young voters or minority voters, people who he feels like he needs to kind of get down into the dirt, per se, and go chat with them and have these front porch, quote unquote, rallies where he's just talking to people one on one and talking as a person rather than as a, uh, an unapproachable candidate.
1: Man, we're speaking with Rachel Schilke, reporter at the Washington Examiner. Her piece is called Feeding Frenzy, Gaff-prone Biden using food pit stops to replace scrutinized events on trail. Uh, it, it, it does seem like, too, at times, the campaign is kind of unwilling to take advantage of opportunities. Like, this is the second straight year where he will not have done an interview for the Super Bowl. What is with that? Yes.
5: Yeah, so I think... A lot of that is also the gas-prone tendencies that he has. I think that he is more likely to flip up, and they are worried that on a national platform like the Super Bowl, where everybody is tuning in, some people may not care about politics in their general life, but I would say most people in the country care about the Super Bowl. And so they're going to be tuning in, and maybe they don't even know who they're voting for, and they're going to look up on the screen and see – Biden talking to everybody, and if he messes up, that could be a real burden for the campaign to have to explain away, especially in a platform where there's so many voters that you're trying to reach. So I think that this is more of a protective strategy rather than him not caring about the Super Bowl or caring about speaking to voters. I think it's definitely more of a protective campaign strategy to prevent him from doing something that they don't want him
1: to. Thanks, Rachel. Rachel Schilke, reporter at The Washington Examiner. 20 minutes now after the hour on This Morning. Here's Dom Savino. And now the three big things you need to know. Number
2: one. Donald Trump has won the GOP caucuses in Nevada and the U.S. Virgin Islands, moving him closer to the party's presidential bid. But Trump's most significant win Thursday occurred in D.C. That's because the Supreme Court appears likely to reject Colorado's attempt to remove the former president from the ballot in November. He reacted at a rally in Nevada.
4: This was a great night, our Supreme Court hopefully will be doing something in terms of helping our country and preserving democracy. We have to preserve our democracy.
2: Justices suggested during oral oral arguments, Congress has the ultimate authority to remove a presidential candidate from the ballot. NUMBER TWO VLADIMIR PUTIN SAYS A PRISONER SWAP TO FREE WALL STREET JOURNAL REPORTER EVAN Gershkovich MAY BE POSSIBLE. IN AN INTERVIEW WITH TUCKER CARLSON, THE RUSSIAN PRESIDENT SAYS HIS COUNTRY HAS MADE QUOTE SOME PROGRESS IN TALKS WITH THE U.S. Grzkovic has been jailed since March on espionage charges. The U.S. has designated him as wrongfully detained.
0: Number three.
2: Five Marines have been confirmed dead after their helicopter crashed in California during a training flight Tuesday. Their cargo chopper was found a day later in a mountainous area outside San Diego. Colonel James Ford says Marines are stationed at the scene to stay with the remains while an investigation continues. Today we have shifted our focus to the professional recovery of the remains of our fallen. Due to the hazardous uh, terrain and weather, we are currently conducting a ground recovery. Earlier this week, California was hit with record-breaking rains from a strong atmospheric river. Two jet blue planes collided while taxiing on the tarmac at Boston's Logan Airport Thursday. No injuries were reported. David Sauter was on one of the planes.
0: As the turn was happening, it was too close. The two planes were too close. Wingspans are pretty you know, great. Uh, so yeah, it was a little bit dramatic.
2: Passengers were safely reboarded on other flights. Authorities in California's Central Valley are asking residents to be on the lookout for stolen beehives after nearly 100 of them were stolen from a farm last week. The hives had been set up in almond orchards to pollinate trees ahead of the region's famous almond blossom season. The Fresno County Sheriff's Office believes somebody in the farming industry is responsible because they'd be familiar with handling bees.
1: Oh, that's, that's honey money, literally, I guess. I, <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm late to that joke or whatever. Thirty-four grand, apparently, yeah, the cost of the hives. Right. Thank you, Dom. Thanks for being with us. If it seems like coughing and sneezing are a louder-than-usual workplace soundtrack this winter, it's not your imagination. Far from staying home to halt the spread of germs, though, American workers are reporting to their desks at the highest rates in almost four years. Do you take a sick day or push through in the return-to-work era? Here's Callum Borschers, columnist at the Wall Street Journal. Cal, what did you find?
3: What I found is it's hard to win when you're under the weather because you get shamed sometimes if you call out sick and don't come to work. And then if you do show up at the office and you're still contagious and you're coughing and sneezing, you're getting the evil eye and you're getting shamed for for coming in. So it can be hard to win when you're not feeling so well.
1: Right at the time as everybody's getting called back to the office, it seems, to work full-time instead of remotely.
3: Yeah, well, this is the thing, right? I mean, you know, if, if you look at the last couple of years, obviously, we're in a better space than we were in a pandemic, no doubt, except that we're showing up to the office more often. So so this year, we're kind of in this interesting uh, new territory, I would say, where you know there's more going around than there was pre-pandemic. I mean, just sort of by definition, you've got all these different strains, different variants of, of COVID. Um, they may not be knocking people out like they were a couple of years ago, but you know they're still making people sick. And... At the same time, we're we're back in offices, mostly unmasked, you know, at rates that we were not a couple of years ago. So when you combine those things, um, you know, there's there's more germs to pick up and people are working in closer proximity to each other once again. Um, You know, it just feels like the soundtrack in the office right now is is coughing and sneezing.
1: Yeah. Where are we, I guess, uh, according to CDC data with regards to, say, flu and COVID these days?
3: Uh, we've been above the baseline all the way since November, Gordon. So we're going on a few months here now, where the cases we're talking about sort of minor, what they would call outpatient respiratory illnesses, is the CDC's term for it, which basically means you know it's not so bad that it sends you to a hospitalization, but you know it's bad enough that you're you're calling your physician to say, hey, I've got this nagging cough, it won't go away. Um, we've we've been above what would be typical for a few months right now, and uh, and I think that a lot of people uh are are trying to figure out how to navigate sick leave in this environment because on the one hand you know you might say well if i stayed home every time i got a sniffle i wouldn't ever go into the office until may (laughs) you know but at the same time (laughs) uh, if if you do show up and, and you're trying to push through and be a hero well, then maybe you get the rest of the team sick and it ends up being a, a you know longer term setback because now everybody is out.
1: Mm. We're speaking with Callum Borscher's columnist at The Wall Street Journal. This piece is called Flu Season Has an Annoying Side Effect and It's Sick Shaming at Work. Uh, what are we supposed to do? Do you, do you take your cue from your boss? Or do, what's the read here?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that this is one of the big things I heard from managers is sort of this consciousness that, hey, I really do kind of set the tone. And so, um, you know, it was interesting to see uh, a recent resume builder survey of a thousand managers uh, and, and a fifth of them admitted to to pressuring employees to come to the office when when they're sick and, and that can take a few different forms it can be direct saying hey we really want you to get in even if you're not feeling so great um it, it can also just sort of be setting the example you know i think when people see the person in charge kind of pushing through and not taking sick days it can send a message that that's what the expectation is that's what the culture is here at the company
1: thanks cal calum borscher's columnist at the wall street journal If you still have landline phone service, you may have noticed that your monthly bills have been skyrocketing. That's because the FCC no longer regulates copper lines and phone companies are jacking up the price of their service. UMA is an Internet home phone service that lets you keep enjoying the safety and peace of mind of a home phone without paying an arm and a leg. In fact, with a one-time purchase of the UMA Tello, you get Internet home phone service for free. All you pay are applicable taxes and fees. Unlike mobile phones, UMA has address-based 911, so dispatchers will know exactly where to find you in an emergency. In the event you call 911, UMA can send a text alert to loved ones. UMA even includes a free mobile app so you can take your home number on the go. And don't worry, you can keep your home phone number for a one-time fee or get a new one for free. Setup is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. Stop paying too much for home phone service. Visit UMA.com slash Gordon Deal today to get a special discount. That's O O M A slash Gordon Deal. The top stories and expert interviews that make sense of what you care about. This is America's First News This Morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Friday, February 9. Gordon Deal with Dom Savino in for Nicole Murray. Some of our top stories and headlines. A special counsel report says Biden is an elderly man with a poor memory regarding the classified documents case. Supreme Court seems likely to restore ballot eligibility for Donald Trump. The Senate advanced a measure that provides funding for Ukraine and Israel. A state school board member in Utah under fire for incorrectly implying that a member of a high school girls basketball team was transgender. Zillow has a new feature that allows you to look for individual rooms and the abandoned puppies in Missouri rescued by Good Samaritans. That story in about 20 minutes. Companies, as you may know, are shelling out $7 million for 30-second commercials during the Super Bowl. Which ones stand out so far and which brand has the most to gain or lose? In-depth analysis from Marbu Brown, customer experience executive and author of Blueprint for Customer Obsession. Marbu, how do companies approach Super Bowl ads?
4: Well, look, I think that a lot of companies uh, think of the Super Bowl ads as an opportunity to build a brand an opportunity to establish their brand in a new area or um, just to really introduce something new for the for the brand period, right? Yeah. So, And we're going to see all of that in, in uh, this year's uh, Super Bowl ads uh, based on what I've seen of them so far.
1: What stands out based on what you've seen?
4: Well, what stands out is that uh, this year, it's mostly going to be established brands. There's going to be a lot of celebrities that are going to be used in the um, commercials. And people are going back to their, uh, their tried and true formulas, right? So, you know, a couple of years ago, um, we had a lot of uh, cryptocurrency ads uh, during the Super Bowl. Yes. Um, those are gone. Uh, a number of the companies that were advertised are gone. Um, And, uh, you know, some in a a very ignominious way. Right. Um, So, um, you know, we're going to see more established brands. And, um, you know, some of them are trying to make a comeback, uh, like Budweiser, who have had some challenges. Um, so uh, so that's what we're going to see this year, and um, a lot of celebrity endorsements.
1: Hmm. We're speaking with Marbu Brown, customer experience executive, also author of a book called the Blueprint for Customer Obsession, and we're talking about the Super Bowl ads. Generally speaking, what does it take to make a successful Super Bowl ad?
4: Well, I think that, uh, first of all, it, it takes a little bit of humor, um, it, it takes the ability to create a, an emotional connection uh, with the viewers. Um, you know, those celebrity endorsements don't hurt because they, they have, like, a known person. Um, and, look, you've got to have a great message. Um, you've got to have a great message. And i I, I got to tell you that these days, when you think about Super Bowl ads, it's no longer one and done. So it's not just that you have the ad during the game, but you kind of have have the lead-up to the ad before the game, and then you have staying power of sometimes reusing those commercials many times after the game. Mm. Um, I think of, uh, it was actually a pharmaceutical commercial last year for something called Sotiktu, which I believe was actually first advertised during the Super Bowl, but they've used that ad many times over, post the Super Bowl. So they continue delivering that message long after using those ads over and over. Or like the Dexcom G seven, which is a continuous blood glucose monitor. Yeah. That was something that was introduced during the um the uh Super Bowl with one of the Jonas brothers and then they've continued to use that ad, you know, over the course of the year. So I think um part of the success of a Super Bowl ad is the lead up to it. The follow-up after it, and those other pieces that I mentioned, like the humor, um, you know, the emotional connection, and uh, you know, where they can afford it, the celebrity endorsement.
1: right. Well, you bring up a good point. I mean, it's like seven million dollars for 30 seconds or something like that. Then if you're a brand who's using a celebrity, right, you got that expense also, plus professional production, all that stuff, I mean, it's a big endeavor.
4: It, it is a big endeavor. That, that number might run, you know, into the tens of millions, maybe, you know, past 20 million, um, just to get all of that. And if you look at many of these commercials, they're not just using one um, celebrity. They're, they're, they're using yeah. multiple yeah. Um, um, celebrities, you know. So you've got like, uh, you know, Vince Vaughn and, and uh, Wayne Gretzky and, you know, Tom Brady, all in the same commercial. You know, you, you've got like uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, people. Dan Marino and, and Leanna Messi, uh, Leo Messi, in, in the same commercial, and, and all of these commercials are, are are having multiple. David Beck, David and Victoria Beckham, Jeez. and Jennifer Anister, Aniston, right, and, and Schwimmer. So you've got all these people in in the same commercials. It's expensive.
1: Thanks, Marbu. Marbu Brown, customer experience executive, also author of the book Blueprint for Customer Obsession.
0: It is time now for the Mic Drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Today, Gordon, is a glorious day. Not only is it a Friday, but it's also National Pizza Day. And while it's understandable that you can't wait to dig into that fresh hot pie when it hits your table, keep in mind that there are certain etiquette rules to follow. Now, it should be noted that these rules come from an etiquette coach in the UK, where they may not be as schooled on pizza as we are here, but they certainly know etiquette. William Hansen told The Mirror that traditional round thinner crust pizzas were designed to be eaten with your hands, picked up and folded in half so you can manage it with one hand with your second hand standing by for support if it becomes a little too floppy. Chicago style deep dish pizza, however, should always be eaten with a knife and fork, he says. A knife and fork can also be pulled out of the drawer if your thinner crust slice is weighed down by heavy toppings.
1: Yeah, it makes total sense. This is Mr. Hansen here from the UK. Is this- his first time with pizza because like, you never <laughs> well, had pizza before so
0: you're saying that uh chicago style pizza shows up you eat it with a knife oh, and yeah. fork okay see i don't do that I, I would have to dispute that i eat pretty much every piece of pizza that can be eaten but with my hands <laughs> i eat with my hands deep dish can be difficult to manage though uh yeah you know, for sure yeah i mean i, I try my best though okay. uh, you know whenever possible i mean that it it more
1: than any other pizza i think resembles a pie right like, yes it's
0: thick Right. Now, there's there's always going to be some toppings that fall off yeah. and you know and of course you need your knife and fork afterwards yes. but yes. the bulk of the slice eating I like to perform with mm-hmm. my hands as much as I can Fair enough. Um uh, along those lines I do want to
1: say before this gets out publicly. <laughs> yes. Two times this week. Because I was short on time. Okay. At 2:50 a.m. roughly yes. in my house. Right. I microwaved a slice of pizza. Oh boy. Because I was in a rush, and I was desperately hungry. Oh, my god! I didn't have time to heat up the oven or put it in a frying pan yeah. and give it the proper reheat. Yeah. I microwaved it for just under a minute. Yeah. And let me say that when I got in the car to eat it, mm-hmm. one of the benefits- <laughs> In the car. ...of microwaved pizza <laughs> yes. is that the crust-
0: Gets soft Right And not crummy Yes So it doesn't make a mess That's true So There's, there's, there's one, that Yeah The only benefit to a rubbery Microwave yes. pizza mm-hmm. oh, Congratulations on unlocking a- that secret And again
1: I just wanted to get out In front of the story In case <laughs> it breaks That I microwaved pizza I wanted you S- to yeah. hear it from me That I did it twice this week
0: Unbelievable Properly Sloppily breakfast. eating your pizza mm-hmm. In the car On yes. the way to work Yes And if properly consuming Your pizza tonight If after that You decide to hit a steakhouse Tomorrow night Keep in mind that While the customer might always be right, the customer might also be the target of revenge for their behavior. This comes as a Reddit post has gotten attention this week in which a server told the story of how a chef got revenge on a customer who sent back his dinner Dinner order six times. The server said he once worked in a high end steakhouse in college, and that one night a man came in with his wife and ordered a medium rare filet. When the steak came out, it wasn't to the man's liking, so he asked that it be cooked a bit longer, which is a reasonable request. What was not reasonable was the five more times he sent the food back. That's when the chef, a normally very easygoing guy who had thirty plus years of kitchen experience, decided to enact revenge, dropping the steak on the ground and dragging it across the entire kitchen with his foot before putting it back on the grill <laughs> and you can guess what happened next the customer took one bite and said the steak was perfect he finished the meal and until now no one ever spoke of the steak that got some extra seasoning wow yeah wow. Uh, yikes mm. okay I, I can see this being maybe a little, little yeah. embellished reddit story uh, perhaps but uh i mean six times i, I would Come never on.
1: i would never no not ever i don't think once. i've ever sent back food ever period me even either. once me either no <laughs> Just I for that reason it. wouldn't do it thank you mike for all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24 7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, they provide real time product availability online and have sourcing specialists who can help you track down hard to find items. And their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1 800 Granger. Click granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for being with us. Here's a new take on what some exercisers call the runner's high. Now, new research has found that getting high can make exercise more enjoyable. The study included more than three dozen runners who were experienced cannabis users. When they smoked or vaped marijuana before exercising on a treadmill, they enjoyed their running experience more with a greater sense of that euphoric runner's high compared with when they ran sober. The Washington Post says the notion of weed smokers as exercisers defies stereotypes. Many people associate pot use with laziness and a lack of motivation. But past research has suggested that many frequent users of cannabis also happen to be people who frequently exercise. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Dom Savino. And now, the three big things you
2: need to know. Number one President Biden will not face charges for knowingly taking classified documents when he left the vice presidency. However, in a report, the special counsel assigned to the case pointed to flaws in Biden's recall, calling him a quote, elderly man with a poor memory. The 81 year old president responded at the White House yesterday.
3: I take responsibility for not having exactly what my staff was doing. As it goes in and points out. Things that appeared in my garage, things that came out of my home, things that were moved, were moved not by me, but my staff.
2: The report says prosecutors couldn't pursue a criminal case against Biden, in part because his lawyers would use his faulty memory as an alibi.
1: Number two,
2: Some progress on a foreign aid package that stalled on Capitol Hill. The Senate has advanced a $95 billion bill that includes funds for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan. and now moves to a final vote, though senators have indicated that may be several days away. Illinois Senator Dick Durbin says Ukraine needs help now.
4: I'm very concerned. Let's be very honest about this. Uh, Ukraine's future is hanging in the balance here as we involve ourselves in political debate in Washington.
2: for
0: number three.
2: Elsewhere on Capitol Hill, senators grilled the CEOs of three major drug makers over the sky-high cost of prescription drugs. Ranking member Bill Cassidy says the Health Committee is committed to making drugs accessible for everyday Americans.
3: Bad actors game the system, and we need solutions that benefit patients and improve access.
2: According to data cited at the hearing, companies like Merck and Johnson & Johnson charge up to seven times as much for some drugs in the U.S. compared to prices overseas. Thursday was a big day for football greats, past and present. Let's start with the current. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was a near unanimous choice for the NFL's Most Valuable Player Award. He's the 11th player in league history to win multiple MVPs, joining the likes of Jim Brown and Patrick Mahomes. Meanwhile, the Pro Football Hall of Fame announced its class of 2024. Inductees include return man Devin Hester, defensive end Julius Peppers, and defensive tackle Steve McMichael. How about the love for the defense, huh? Yeah. Okay, defense. Thank you, Dom. Glad you're with us. Good Samaritans recently
1: spent four hours rescuing a litter of puppies that were stuck under an abandoned house in Missouri. Kansas City Protective Animal Welfare Society, known as KC Paws, told Fox News that the shelter rescued the group of six puppies in January. Director Michelle Laskin says the breed of the pups is unknown, but the shelter believes they may be part German Shepherd, Akita, or Husky. A local woman had contacted the shelter after she noticed a group of dogs living under this abandoned house. She was concerned about the cold weather, and the shelter immediately responded. Casey Paws posted footage of the rescue on TikTok. After being collected, the pups were brought back to the shelter to be fed and cleaned. Two days later, animal rescuers found the mother of the litter. Laskin says the puppies are doing fantastic and will be ready to be adopted by the end of the week. That'll do it for this hour. For Dom Savino and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning
3: America's First News.